How's everybody doing? Good to see you. If I've not met you, my name's Josh Hudson Pillar. I'm Phil and Tammy's son, and more importantly, Jenny's brother. And uh, she seems to get greater applause here than you guys do. So uh, thrilled to be here with you. Um, I have the amazing opportunity of being a teaching pastor at a church in San Diego, uh, as well as being an entrepreneur. I get to start businesses and travel around the world and meet amazing people. And so God has just blessed me, and uh, I'm excited to share time with you today. I always say to my church in San Diego, uh, you could do anything today. You chose to be here. So you made the right decision, amen? Uh, you chose to pour into yourself spiritually, emotionally. Uh, that will transcend into physically. Um, and it's the right decision to be here and invest in you. So you made the right decision today. Let's pray and get into God's word. Father, we love you. We are grateful for today. We're grateful to be here. Uh, we believe um, that your word is living and active, um, that it's designed to cut through uh, even to the deepest parts of us and speak life into us. So may it do that this morning. In your name we pray, amen. amen. How many of you have ever ran half marathon, marathon, triathlon, any, any athletes out here? Uh, so so I, I got into that a few years ago, but I remember growing up, running was just starting to become a thing. If you remember, uh, Nike shoes began to come out, kind of 70s, early 80s, people began to run, and uh, my dad uh, hated it. Uh, he would drive down the road, and he'd watch people running, and he would get visibly angry. And we'd be driving, and he's like, and he's, why are they running? It makes no sense. Why are they running? And we'd always be like, why are you so mad, dude? You don't have to run. No one's asking you to run. And it's, it's just he could not wrap his mind around this notion of a human being running. And, and it kind of makes sense. I mean, when you run, physically, your body's really pretty tormented. Your, your, your heart rate goes up. You're dehydrated. Your body temperature goes up. You have muscle fatigue. Everything about your body begins to, to be almost just attack itself. It feels like while you're running, so it, it's fair to go, why is anybody doing that? But there's this amazing thing that happens when you run too. Your mind begins to scream, stop. Stop doing this. Right, I've done half marathons, I've done triathlons, and I can't tell you how many times I've run and my mind begins to scream, stop. Stop doing this. But the wild thing is, if you really look at it, every step you take is bettering your body. Your heart's getting stronger. You're reducing fat all against your body. Your, your endorphins are kicking up. Your mind is getting stronger. You're becoming an overcomer while you're doing it. And so there's this incredible thing that happens in the psyche of us that, that oftentimes when we're doing things that are good for us, that are hard, our mind screams, stop. And, and it never is this more prevalent than in our spiritual lives. I remember the first time I begin to feel uh, an emotional or mental attack. I was in eighth grade, uh, and I, there was a movie that came out called Falling Down. Is anybody old enough to remember this, this movie? Worst movie on the planet, by the way. So it's just Michael Douglas. He's, he's in traffic, in L.A. traffic, and he hits this moment where he just goes, I can't do it, and he breaks. He breaks. And he goes on this terror, and ultimately... The ending's terrible. I won't even explain it because it's just negativity. But I remember being in eighth grade and for the first time I heard this voice say, maybe you can't do it. What if, Josh? I remember I was right where I was and I was sitting on the couch in the basement. What if you're like 
Michael Douglas. What if when you become an adult, life's too big? What if it's too traumatic? What if you can't handle it? What if you break? And I'll never forget that moment sitting there for the first time as a human being, a little forming human being. My brain's forming. My emotions are forming. And for the first time, I have this thought, what if as an adult, I break? It's interesting in Scripture. Scripture says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But it's against rulers, it's against authorities, it's against powers in dark world. It's against spiritual forces of every heavenly realm. And what scripture begins to tell us is there is a battle going on in your life and it has nothing to do with the physical. It has everything to do with the spiritual. And every single day, there's this voice in your head saying, stop. Stop pursuing goodness. Stop trying to become better. Just take the easy road out. Stop running the race that God has mapped out for you. Stop. And there's this spiritual battle, and it's not flesh and blood. But it's this. It's it's against authorities. It's against powers. It's against darkness in this world. And it is absolutely committed to getting you to stop. And there's something in your life right now. This is how I love the Holy Spirit, and I can't stand him. How many of you love the Holy Spirit and can't stand him in this? Anybody? I love him because he's there. I can't stand him because he's there. You know, you're sitting there, he's like, yo, I, I, I want you to stop doing that. And you're like, That's, I can't be God, because <laughs> I like this. But scripture says that right now, the Holy Spirit of God, I know it's true, is already beginning to whisper in your life, there's that thing that you know is not physical. There's that thing that's spiritual in your life that the enemy is using, but scripture says this in 2 Corinthians 4, or 10, 4 through 5. The weapons that we're gonna use to fight against this voice the weapons that we're going to fight to, to use against this, this spiritual realm, it says this, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. So there's this spiritual battle going on in your life. And a lot of us go, when I'm feeling anxious, insecure, arrogant, you got to remember, being hubris, just because you're like, I got no problems, that's a spiritual battle. I'm better than other people. That's a spiritual battle. So don't think it's just the down and outers. It's the up and comers too. And it says this, it says the weapons that we're going to use to fight against that voice, to fight against that uh, force in our life, it's not the weapons of this world. It's not going to be shop therapy. I know what I'll do because I don't like the way I look, feel. I'm going to go buy something new, then I'm going to feel better. That's a weapon of this world. I don't like the way I feel. I'm going to drink. I'm going to smoke. I'm going to eat. That'll feel better. Those are weapons of this world. I don't feel good about myself, and and Julie does. I'm going to go talk some noise about Julie. That's a weapon of this world. So there's all these weapons of this world that we go, uh, addiction, eating, spending, uh, gossiping, all these things are weapons of this world, judging that we can use against someone else to go, I feel better now. When the only thing that's happened is we've just created more destruction. So what Paul's going to say is he goes, the weapons that we're going to use to fight against this non-physical war It's not weapons of this world. Rather, on the contrary, 
there's these things that we have that they're divine power that are going to demolish strongholds. Everybody say stronghold. Stronghold. Strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets up against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying this, that we're going to fight this spiritual battle, but we're not going to use it with weapons of this world. That's not what we're going to do. And men and women, you should do this deep work. You should make a list of all the weapons of this world that you use to fight your battles. We all have them. All of us do. Some of it's money. Some of it's booze. Some of it's eating. Some of it's suppression, ignoring. You should be so keenly aware of the weapons you use of the physical world so that at least you're aware when you're doing it. You should at least be aware of me. I'm consciously choosing to use a weapon of this world to attack the, 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 the spiritual battle that's going on in my life. And then you can decide from there if you still want to do it or not. No, I still hate Julie. No, I'm going to keep talking about Julie. I mean, whatever it is, but you got to at least know you're doing it. Because here's what he says, rather than doing that, we've got to use a weapon, watch this, that has divine power to demolish strongholds. See, Paul uses this military term strongholds, and here's what a stronghold is. They are structures, walls, trenches, bunkers, obstacles, barbed wire, minefields that are designed to delay, repel, or weaken your progress. So Paul says there's these things in our life. They're walls, they're trenches, they're minefields. How many of you ever have, anybody here trigger? Anybody got triggers? Anybody got triggers? You know, somebody says something, all of a sudden you don't know why you just put your foot through the wall. You're like, well, I don't know where that came from. All, All you did was say, Julie. Who's Julie? I hope there's no Julie here today. (laughs) What Paul says is there are strongholds in your life, but here's how you understand what a stronghold is. A stronghold are these things, these structures in your life that are like trenches. You fall into them. They're like bunkers. You fall in them. They're obstacles. You got to go around them. They're barbed wire. They're minefields. They're things people say, feelings that you have. Scripture says that there's this, there's this spiritual force that is designed to create strongholds in your life, to hold you back from going and being the person that God wants you to be. And men and women, every single one of us wake up every day with minefields and barbed wire and trenches and bunkers and every single one of us go, gosh, I feel like I'm being held back. There's something holding me back. There's something I keep falling into. There's something that keeps blowing me up. There's something I'm still getting entangled in. And Paul goes, those are called strongholds. And no one is immune from them. No one. And men and women, if we begin to go, wait a minute, I'm attacking the spiritual battles uh, with with, with physical uh, uh, tools, and I'm not getting anywhere, and I don't realize that there's strongholds in my life, identity, self-worth, self-esteem, whatever it is, and it feels like every day I get up and I'm just going like this, and I'm going like this. I'm stuck, and it's these strongholds already. Paul goes, here's what we're going to do. The weapons we're going to fight with 
are not weapons of the world. They're these weapons that are gonna break, they're gonna fill those trenches up, that's gonna cut that barbed wire, that's gonna begin to restore us and pull us back. That's the weapons we're gonna work with. But then he begins to describe, this is really cool, he begins to describe the type of strongholds that the enemy uses on us. He says the first one is the stronghold of an argument. Which, what is an argument? An argument is an opposite view on who God says we are. The first thing the enemy is going to do, is he's going to say, I've got a different view of who you are. God says in scripture, it says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. God's word says this, I made you an already planned out, a wild adventure for you to reflect me. And we wake up in the morning, okay, how many of you have ever seen something beautiful that God's created? Because if you've ever looked in the mirror, that wasn't in my notes, but it was kind of, you know, yeah. No, but think about this, think about this. How many of you have ever just gazed upon something absolutely breathtaking? You know, my wife and I just got back from Boulder and we were going along the front range and got in the Jeep and put the top down and put on some Morgan Wall and anybody. And we drove up to the top and we're looking at these beautiful mountains and going, man, look at what God created. That's his handiwork. And the enemy would go, and you're nothing like that. Because I have an opposite view of how God sees you. God says that, that you are the works of his hands designed to display the beauty and wonder of God. And Paul says the first uh, uh, a stronghold that the enemy is going to wrap around you is to create an argument that says, I have a different view. I think you're not beautiful. I think you're not powerful. I think you're not wonderful. I think you have no plans that God's made for you in advance. And the enemy begins to set an argument. This is what Paul says. They are divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. That's the first one. And then he says pretension or lies. What's a lie? A lie is a false truth. See, some of us have begun to listen to this argument that says you are not the handiwork of God. And what happens then is that then it begins to bleed into a false truth. No doubt you've heard this verse, but I think there's nothing more uh, beautiful to bring back than simplicity, which simply says this, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him would perish and have eternal life. God says that if you were the only person on the planet, he'd come running. But there's a stronghold that says, that's not true. This is not true. He wouldn't come for you. Why would he come for you? I mean, what, what really, in the grand scheme of the world, do you really have any value? If you died tomorrow, think the world's gonna skip a beat? Think God's gonna give his son for you? You're not a big deal. You're not important. You're not valuable. And God throughout scripture puts all these amazing truths and he says, man, you are my handiwork. I've already got, I've got plans for you. If you were the only one, I'd bet on you. 
And Paul says, you have to understand every single day, every single minute, there will be a spiritual battle to somehow debunk these truths. And if you're not careful, you'll say, I don't feel very valuable, so I'm gonna go buy this. I don't feel very seen, so I'm gonna go do this. I think I'm better than everybody else, so I'm gonna go behave this way. And I'm gonna use the, I'm gonna use the tools of this world to fight a spiritual battle, and all along, I'm getting deeper and deeper in trenches, more and more bound in the barbed wires of arguments, lies. And the third one he said is thoughts. These unhealthy ideas. So, the, so Paul says the enemy is gonna give opposite views of who you are in Christ, false truths of who you are in Christ, and unhealthy ideas on who you are. See, God's word says this, for he chose us before him, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy, blameless in his sight. See, the enemy says there's nothing holy and blameless about you. Nothing. You really think when you stand in front of God, there's anything holy and blameless about you? And what Paul's trying to teach us, guys, and you have to understand this, I don't care who you are in this room. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how little money you have. I don't care how perfectly you look and how are not perfect. Every single person in here, it's playing the same game. Everybody here has the same struggles. We're all in this kind of weird battle of a value system. And Paul's like, guys, we cannot use the weapons of this world to fight this. And you've got to understand the enemy's on a mission every day to make sure you have an opposite view, a false truth, and an unhealthy idea about who you are. Because all of those things become trenches, minefields, barbed wire. Everything designed to hold you back. Are we preaching today? Are we doing good? Yeah. All right. The psalmist, it's a beautiful psalm. If you have your Bibles, you can go over to Psalm 84. I want to talk to you about how do we get out of this. What I love about Scripture is it's so beautifully intertwined that, that you can kind of bob around and see Scripture and then learn other parts of it. And the psalmist in 84 did you guys end up getting that photo in my notes by chance and put it in slides or not? I don't know. Anyway, there's a photo I was going to show. It's not necessary. I just didn't know if it got in there. Yeah, okay, we're going to get there in a minute. Um, but now you can leave it up there. It's fine. Um, Psalms 84, I want to read this to you because I want to get in. So here we are, right? But Paul's kind of set the stage. He's like, guys, there is a spiritual battle, and you cannot use the weapons of this world. They're not going to work. And you have to understand the enemy, we, we got we to use weapons that break strongholds, these, these false truths, these lies, these unhealthy ideas. And the psalmist says this in Psalms 84, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart, my flesh cry out for the living God. The psalmist says, there's this space in which I don't have an opposite view of God in which I'm not living in false truths in which I don't have unhealthy ideas of myself. It's called the presence of God. Like when I'm fully who I am in Christ. Like when I, when I love my, the things that the world would say are, are bad. I remember my son's like, Dad, thanks a lot, I'm so short. And I'm like, you're welcome. It's awesome. 
cross your legs on airplanes. It's um, you're welcome. Someday when you get a little older, you can say thanks a lot for the love handles. I mean, listen, everything that God gave me is who I am in the image of Christ. I was golfing the other day. I was telling my dad this last night, a couple buddies, and these guys are just crushing the ball, like 320, 330. And I've just now corrected it, but I've had this really bad overslice, so the ball spins, goes about 190 yards. This guy says to me, he goes, um, man, I watch you walk down the middle of that fairway after a 190-yard drive. We all hit it like 330, and you're just... He's like, he's like, how do you have so much confidence after a 190-yard drive? Under the Lord, brother. When you get to this place, <laughs> thank you. When you get to this place where the weapons of the world, where the strongholds the enemy says, false lies, truths, arguments, when they're no one, and you're in the presence of God, the psalmist goes, how lovely is the dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and faints for those courts. Yearns and faints to be in the, the, in the presence of God where, where the things of this world, the lies, the, the, the untruths, they're not there. My, I long for it. He goes over to verse five and he, he explains how to get there. He gives his thoughts on how to get to the courts. He says, because Paul's been setting this up, right? Like, we're not fighting a physical battle. So stop using the weapons of the world against that. We are fighting a supernatural battle that's designed to destroy your self-identity and self-worth. But the psalmist goes, when we get through that, we're in the courts of God. It's lovely. Even my soul longs for it. And he goes, but here's how we get there. He says, blessed. What does blessed in the Bible mean? Happy. Happy are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrimage. Now, I want you to see this. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength until each appear before God. Now, we're going to get into this, but, but where's that picture? This is the valley of Baca. The psalmist says how lovely it is we're in the presence of God, but here's the deal. This is life. This is life. Is it, does this look like anybody else's Monday through Friday? <laughs> yeah, right. And the psalmist goes, here's he goes, he goes, how lovely it is. And blessed are those who go strength through strength because as they pass through life like this, something's happening. They're, they, they don't, they're not living in that. They're passing through. But he's, he's going to say there's three ways. Guys, nobody gets to avoid this. I don't care what your mom told you, your dad told you. Uncle Josh is here to tell you nobody gets to pass this. I tell my kids all the time. My son, we were, we were, in, we were in soccer. He plays club soccer. And our coach is this really intense um, French coach. And he puts them in a really tight triangle and he makes them pass the ball really fast because he wants to speed their brain up to, so the game goes faster. And we got in the car and he was kind of disheveled. It was about a year ago. I said, bud, how you doing? He goes, dad, coach just puts us in this triangle and puts so much pressure on us and it just stresses me out. I said, buddy, can I tell you something? The rest of your life, you're going to be in a triangle. 
You don't, you're never not going to be in the triangle. So we can do one of two things. We can learn to, to, to deal with the triangle. Or you can get out of my truck. But I mean, those are... <laughs> You, this doesn't stop. You can just keep that picture up for a minute because I want us all to be depressed staring at it. <laughs> the psalmist just goes, hey, there's something that happens though. There's, there's this way that you can pass through this and it becomes water, a place of springs, autumn rains. That's what the, that's what the psalmist says. He said, happy are those who strength is in you or who are not self-reliant. You want to know how you get through here? You don't get through it alone. Yeah. It says, uh, for, 2 Timothy 2.7 says this, for the spirit of God does not make us timid but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. God's word says the way we get through this is when the spirit of God falls all on us and goes, we're going through it. I don't know how, I don't know way, I can't figure it out. All I know is the Spirit of God says, if I rely on Him, yeah, come on. He's happy. See, a lot of people are like, I can figure it out. And I'm like, you probably can, but you're miserable and everyone else is miserable around you. Congratulations. You see all these people are like, I can figure it out myself. You, maybe you can't. But the psalmist says, happy. Understand why that word was put. The psalmist didn't say the only way through a hard time is with God. He didn't say that. He just said the only way to be happy through a hard time is through God. And so this is the beauty where the psalmist goes, if you want to go through the valley of back, if you want to turn this into a place of water and springs and joy, then you do it when the Spirit of God falls on you because dad's leading. When we were, um, we, I went to school in New York and uh, Phil and Tammy were living out there at the time. And I remember when we first got out there, uh, we would drive into the city. And, you know, dad's driving, and you've never driven to New York City, especially the first time. And dad's driving it and white knuckling it and stressing out. And we're just looking, we're like, dad, relax. It's the greatest city in the world. I mean, look around, enjoy it. Many years later, after graduating school, married kids, I was back on business. I'm driving through the city and my kids are in the back. And I'm like, shut up, I'm driving. <laughs> See, chaos and anxiety and stress is a lot easier to deal with when dad's driving. I mean, I'd been in the back seat staring at beautiful buildings and I'd been in the front seat <laughs> staring at my steering wheel and I know the difference between being in the front and the back. I was still driving through the city but one of them I was happy. And the psalmist says if you want to be happy strength is in you. Blessed are those that are not staying here. I love this that they're set on the pilgrimage. I love this. Some of you out here are sitting right by this bush and refusing to move. The psalmist goes, happy are those whose, whose hearts are set on the pilgrimage. They're going, I'm not staying here. 
I can't tell you how many people come up to me and they're like, I'm just going to stay here and I'm miserable and I'm going to tell you all about it. But the psalmist goes, happy are those whose strength is in you and whose hearts are set on the pilgrimage. Scripture says this, being confident in this, he who began a good work in you, he isn't done. He isn't done. The psalmist goes, my soul longs to be in this place with God, but I've got to go through the valley of Baca. But if I'm going to go through it, and i got to go through it. Nobody gets to go around it. I'm going to be happy. Because my strength is in the Lord, and I've got I've, I'm, I'm going somewhere. I'm not staying here. I'm not staying in this broken mindset. I'm not staying in this financial situation. I'm not staying in this bad attitude. I'm not staying in this negativity. I'm not staying in this depression, this anxiety. Fill in the blank. I'm not staying here. And I'll tell you, the people that are most unhappy, I don't care what social status or physical status you are, the people that are most unhappy are the people that are staying put. We have 35 seconds left. Blessed are those who are not stagnant. And the band can come up, going strength to strength. I love this. Check this out. Scripture says this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. I can't do it alone. Blessed are those who are saying, I'm not staying here. But this is what I love Scripture says. Scripture says, blessed are those who realize the way this game works. Men and women, let me explain to you how this works. God gives you just enough for today, doggone it. Doggone it. I can't, I can't tell. I don't clap about it. I'm like, give it all to me. I don't want to do this again tomorrow. I'm always like, God, let's do this. How about if I trust you once and then we just call it a good for the rest of my life? But do you remember how Exodus 13, 21, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night a, a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or by night. From the Old Testament to the New Testament to today's Testament, the way God works is just enough for today. But the person who's happy says, that's okay. That'll do. I want you to stand with me, and I just want to re-arc what we talked about today, because I'm telling you, this is just how it works. Men and women, I'm going to tell you something right now. Every single moment of every single day, there will be a spiritual battle for your mind and your life. Nobody gets to avoid it. And, and the danger is, the danger is that we use the weapons of this world to fight anxiety and fear and, and, and depression and, and, and an arrogant spirit and being unsatisfied. We use the things of this world to go, I know how I'll feel better. I'll use a weapon of this world. And Paul says the problem is the game we're fighting, the weapons of this world, they're not going to defeat strongholds. Because there are strongholds which are arguments and lies and untruths that are set up against you that are causing you to trip. That are causing you're never going to get out of it with the weapon of this world. And the psalmist would say, we've all got to go through this. Nobody gets to avoid it. You know, as a father, I can't avoid, I can't, 
make it so my kids never go through a hard time. And I, I'd be, I mean, I kind of want to. I mean, I don't want to raise weak dudes, but I don't want them to hurt. But I can't, it doesn't matter. No matter how hard I try, they gotta go through it. But what I can do is I can teach my boys how to go through the valley of back of happy. I can teach them this three truths. Buddies, you're gonna have hard times. But if your strength is not found in you, rather the Lord, you can at least be happy. And buddy, I can't stop tough things from happening, but I can tell you this, if you stay here, you're never gonna be happy. There's a pilgrimage, there's a work that God's doing. Keep going, keep going. And buddies, I, I promise you this, as much as I would love it, I would love it, if all you had to do was just one time in your entire life, just one time, muster up the courage to trust God and for the rest of your life, you'd never have to do it again. It's just not how it works. Because the happy people are the ones that from moment to moment, from impact to impact, from challenge to challenge, meet God again in a renewed moment and fall a fresh faith and love and intimacy with God and go, here, we're doing it again. We're doing it again. are those who find themselves in the presence of God where their souls long for that beautiful intimacy.